Hey, it's Adam, the Backpack Theory Podcast, where we unpack past experiences to help define a better future. Today, we are going to be unpacking It's Never Too Late. And I've got a great guest on today. He is an OSU fan, which is slightly against my beliefs. We're not going to, but let me, let me read off the accolades of this man. So Les Thomas is a 20-year-old veteran, which I love in the Air Force. He is a musician. He has an album dropping in the spring called Vertical. He has done TED Talks. He is an author. He is the executive director of community engagement whenever it comes to Urban Bridge. And he is, of all else, Oklahoma State sports game day host or hype man. Yes, and sir. He is rubbing and he, and it's been funny. You know, well, you know, here's the thing is, you know, everyone can't be great at everything, right? And so sometimes some choose better than others, you know, and I just, I chose to be biblical with my fandom, if you will. And it said, God will lead you beside still watchers. And so when I, that message spoke to my heart and I said, Lord, are you talking to me? And he said, yes, sir. And I'm talking to you. I said, man, you know, they're orange and crimson is the other way. And that's supposed to be close to your blood. And he was like, son, many are called, but few are chosen. <laughs> and so, <laughs> man, next thing you know, man, and I'm always your fan, cowboy, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm messing with you. You know, this is, this is a perfect, real quick. This is a perfect time for us to talk about this because, you know, the Big 12 championship, you know, is amongst us and it will be OSU versus Texas. And I send my condolences to all of Sooner Nation. <laughs> all right, here we go. Let's go. I just did. You know what? As a proud Sooner fan, we'll be until the day I die. We'll tuck our legs and walk into the SEC. I'm not sure what's going to happen there. I don't, I, you know, but. Good for OSU. I am, I'm, I'm an Oklahoma fan at anything Oklahoma. So I am going to, I'm actually going to be at the game. I know you are too. My brother, massive OSU fan. I mean, when yeah. I say massive, like astronomical, he's had his heart broken many times over the year. If we went and counted up all the Bedlam victories, we're not going to go into, but football. It, he, he, we want to do yeah. football. No, no, yeah, yeah. We're not, yeah, let's not get into everything. I did, but any, yeah, you're right. Oklahoma sports, but uh, I know the yeah. Sooners hang their hat on, football typically but um oh, you, anyway would you like excellence like why would I'm you not head on, on wrestling you know that's wow. that's baseball it's just okay we get it we understand you're the hype man <laughs> but anyway so i'll be down at the game you'll be at the game i'm super excited for that so beyond sports we've gotten those formalities out of the way i told you i would allow you to roast me before we started it is completed Les, why don't you tell us a little about what you do in relation to just everything? I mean, you got a lot going on. Tell us a little bit about who, like, just tell us about yourself. Well, man, you know, I look at my life as, you know, I'm a very thankful guy. You know, God has put me in a position to have a small platform. So it's not my own and I give it away. And God, by God's grace, you know, I've been able to accomplish a few things in my life. So the least I can do is give that to other people, empower other people, share my testimony to encourage other people. So with what I do, 
I spent my life, you know, oh, and she was a hype person. That's like the fun job. But with my my purpose, because I believe purpose brings fulfillment, my purpose is to impact the next generation. So you mm. can catch me in any kind of avenue. The avenues that I thrive in are the avenues where it's giving the next generation the fuel to be the best person that God called them to be. And so right now, Urban Bridge, man, I serve as the community engagement person, as we talked about. Uh, so right now, Urban Bridge, man, you know, we're creating pathways and developing the greatness within them. So we connect them with mentors. We have a STEM room, a lot of exposure. It's real big about exposing the people, the young people where we're at, you know, the demographics that we're in, they don't have, I'm not going to say they don't have any hope because they do, right? But they have a lot of challenges, lack of resources, you know, grandma's raising them, single parent homes, you know, poverty, some may deal with poverty. So our, our job and what I do is, you see this hope over fame. I don't care nothing about being famous. Uh, I'm mm. all about bringing the hope and uh, making sure that the young people are just thriving, man, especially those that are, are less fortunate or those, those that are underserved. That's why I really thrive. That's what I really care about because I was, I was there. I was that kid mm. that grew up. My mom raised me, you know, we used to have to flip sofas and I have to eat cereal with water. So we didn't have many resources. So that kid, every kid that walks through the, thir- the through the door at the bridge impact center, I think about myself and I think about where I'm at. I would like to consider and say that, you know, I'm a success story and that's not based off of money. That's not based off of position. It's based off of what I had to overcome as a young person to get to where I'm at. And God has done some amazing things in my life. And I want them to know that they're a success story too. So. Dude, that is so impactful. Thank you for being so transparent. Thanks for investing in the community. Thank you for yes, being sir. involved and being excited about it, dude. Like I watched, oh, yeah. I watched the, I watched your video, dude. So I watched, I was, I was, I was scrolling through your feed before I did this and I actually teared up. I saw the video about, I think it's, it's Bethany first church or his first church that did the, the church that was doing the, 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 what, the prom king and prom queen. Oh um, yeah. Deal no, for that, the, that was Bethany children's hospital. Okay. Yeah, dude, I, yeah. I, I kid you not. I watched that and literally like started crying as I watched that video because you just, you know, you look at those kids and like, you just think about what their families have to go through, what their parents have to go through when it comes to raising people that, you know, yeah. have special needs. And it's just like, dude, that, that, that really touched my heart. Like I've got a really yeah. like, you know, just special soft area in my life for people that have gone through that. And it's just so well, cool. That's good. I was going to say, that's why, you know, that opportunity to be able to serve them, man, a lot of times I don't say yes to things really quick. I think about it. I pray about it. But when they asked me, that was a no brainer. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, if people, if people think that I have something that can help them, you know, live in a moment, enjoy a moment, because just because you have special needs doesn't mean that you don't deserve a special day to have a problem, mm-hmm. to have all these different things. Right. And so, man, you know, I'm going I'm to start a party wherever I go. I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to light a fire wherever I go, you know? So they brought me there for a reason. They wanted those young people to have a great time. And I'm like, let's do it. I love them. I, I love that God gave me this voice, this big old mouth to use. They got me in trouble as a kid. Now I'm using it for great things, you know? So yeah, man, that was a beautiful time we had at Bethany Children's Hospital. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Dude, you're, you know, you're such a just joyous person. You have this, just, you inspire hope. I listen to you. I watch you. There's so much confidence, so much faith, so much perseverance that I just feel the, you know, I just feel coming from you. Like, have you always been that way as a person? 
Well, I will say I've always been a person, you know, that had energy, but I didn't have, my energy wasn't like directed. It wasn't a, a positive thing, right? So I've always been a person that would smile a lot, you know, but I will say kind of what, what helped shape that was as a young person, you know, I was bigger than most kids. So my mom would tell me, you know, less, you know, stand three people three feet from people, show yourself friendly, always smile. So that's what's initially gave me the, I smile when I see people. It doesn't matter if it's a man, woman, boy, girl, six feet, eight, or or three feet, eight. It doesn't matter. You know, I show myself friendly because I never want to come across as trying to intimidate anyone or whatever. So I would say that it started young. You know, my mom was always joyful. I'm, I'm, I'm really a spitting image of my mom, a lady that served when she didn't have anything in the community. And so just as life went on, man, I wouldn't say that I had a lot of joy. I had a lot of challenges as a kid, but I had a mom that loved me. So even in the midst of the challenges, there was still joy because she would lift me up. And then as I got older, man, when, when God started changing the trajectory of my life and I understood that joy doesn't come from the outside, joy comes from the inside. You know, a lot of people try to achieve the level of being joyful through the outside things. And the outside things can be a lot of things. It could be accomplishments at your job. It could be getting awards. It could be through drugs. It could be through going to the club. It could be going through, through a party. It could, it could be going through, you know, getting married or different things that people think that, oh, this is what I need to be joyful. And I'm like, no, when I realize that the joy has to come from the inside and that joy is Jesus Christ. Like the joy of the Lord is my strength. Like my strength come from that. My joy comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from all the things on the outside. I don't care if I was, if I got a million dollars in the bank or not. The joy cannot be based on the things on the outside. It can't. I love my wife, bro. My wife, to me, in my opinion, is second to none. I love my wife, but guess what? She cannot. She cannot be the 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 source of my joy. Mm. You know what I mean? Because. Because all these sources on the outside will fail you. I don't care how good some, how good a job is, how good the money is, how good a person is. All these things on the outside will fail you. But there's one brother that will never fail you, never forsake you. You know what I'm saying? And so I tell you right now, man, this joy that I have. Let, let, let me tell you something. Let me, can I give you? A, can I tell you something real quick? Throw down, bro. This is this is my first time ever sharing this. At OSU, I get a lot of a lot of accolades and you know compliments. I appreciate that. People say you killed it, man. You brought the energy, and I love that. I appreciate that. However, there's some some that mean that's meaningful more than others. And this year, at the very first game, there's a guy when I drive the gator out the gate to go drop around before I walk. I will always see this tailgate and I always stop by. You know, sometimes I'll give his granddaughter a ride on the gator or whatever. This year, though, he stopped me and he looked me in my eyes. He said, Les, I've been trying to figure you out. He said, this is your seventh year, and I've been trying to figure you out, like, why is this dude so happy? Why does he have so much joy? You know, why, why is he exuding this light that people are attracted to? And he said, Les, I figured it out. He said, it's the Jesus in you. He said, everyone here in this stadium think that, oh, man, he's just good at what he's doing. He's great. He's talented. He got this skill. He said, but what everyone in there doesn't know 
He said, it's the Jesus in you. And he said, so the Jesus in my heart, he said, may you make the Jesus in my heart leap is what he told me. He said, wow. so thank you for being a light. Man, when he's telling me this, I'm tearing up, man. I'm supposed to be getting hyped for a game, but I'm tearing up because he said to me, he was like, the Jesus in my heart, you make the Jesus in my heart leap because the wow. Jesus in you. So he was like, I know where your joy comes from now. So, Dude. hey, man, that's what it's all about. That, so that's where my joy comes from. That's the that's the long roundabout answer to joy. Dude, I love, dude, I love, thank, dude, that's, the fact that you, you, you know, preface that story with the fact that like some compliments mean more than other and like the source of that compliment ended up being a random guy at a tailgate that was trying to figure you out. And it ended up being that he realized it wasn't happiness he saw. It wasn't like this energy. It wasn't like, it wasn't about you. It was about Jesus. It was about your faith. And like the fact that like he recognized that in you without you even having to tell him that's the power, right? Like that's, that's like the energy. And I want to, I want to route from this a little bit because we, we jumped around a little bit and I want to pull this back in just a little bit because I, I love it. I love the energy. So yeah. you want to come on and I know that you did the, the Ted talk on, you know, whenever it came to, it's never too late. Right. And yeah. today, you know, it was actually, I would message you. I was like, what do I want to talk about? You like send me this long list. And I was like, man, there's a lot of topics. We're gonna have to and then like, I start, I start praying about it and I'm, I'm like thinking about it and I'm like, well, and so I start going looking at it and I just saw it's never too late. And mm-hmm. this podcast, dude, the whole reason I started it is because I, I have, I was talking to my friend today at lunch before this. And I, you know, he was like, we were talking about what's going on in life. He's kind of like one of my mentors. And I told him, I was like, man, let me tell you something. The most impactful thing that has happened to me in my life this year is getting to sit on this podcast and not talk about myself, but get to hear these people that have these amazing stories mm-hmm. and everybody looks at them and is like, wow, like, look at where that person's at. Look at what they're doing in their life. I want some of that, but they're yeah. almost intimidated to even approach you or get in that thing. And like, so that con that concept of it's never too late. Mm-hmm. What tell us a little bit before we jump into unpacking how you got where you are today. Why is that statement so impactful to you? Well, it's impactful to me because it's a true statement. And I believe that everyone should believe that no matter what you're facing in your life, no matter what's going on, you should know that it's never too late. Because if you are above ground and you breathe in and you can hear, you can see, you have these. If you're alive, that means that it's never too late, no matter what you've done. So I'm a young kid that made a lot of mistakes, you know. But guess what? Look at me now. That shows that it's never too late. And the reason, from a, from a TED Talk perspective, the reason it was in, important for me to share about it's never too late, because I could have talked about 25 things. But for me to be where I'm at, my greatest accomplishment is my family. Mm. It's not being a hype man. It's not serving our country. It's not having a house. It's not having a few cars. None of that. My greatest accomplishment is my family. And... If I wouldn't, if I wouldn't have understood that it wasn't too late, all those things right there, you would not see the joy. You wouldn't see me where I'm at. And that came from a time in my life where having challenges, when my wife and I first got married, I was not a good dude, sir. I I was a jerk. She used to call me the devil's reincarnate. You know, I I really wasn't a happy person, man. I broke stuff. I mean, you know, I never, I never hit her. 
but I broke, I put holes in the wall. I was just, wasn't a happy guy. And, and that stemmed from, you know, growing up without my father in a home in a neighborhood mm. where there's five fathers in 200 homes, there's maybe five dads. I didn't have that example of what a husband and a father should be. And what it did was it created so much frustration in me that it made me become a bad person. I was frustrated mm. every day. I'm carrying this weight of having to lead a family and I don't, don't have an example of that. How can you do something that you haven't been exposed to? How mm. can you, how can you be great at something that you've never seen great? Right. And so mm. it caused me to be a really bad person. And then fast forward between my mother and my, my wife, they prayed me into the church. I gave my life to the Lord. So my life is going vertical. If you see, that's why the album is called vertical. My life has been going vertical. So I started climbing up. I started coming into an understanding of my purpose and who I was called to be. I was ordained, ordained minister. I'm traveling the country as a Christian rapper, you know, national, national recording artist. I'm getting all these accomplishments and I'm going up, man, but I'm climbing this hill. And guess what? It's the hill of my life. Oof. I'm going up this hill by myself, bro. I'm not taking my family with me. You know what I mean? So I'm climbing up this hill and I'm becoming the best version of myself without my family, bro. And one drive to California, we went to California, a long ride in the car. And, you know, make a long story short, my, my wife and my kids started having all this fun in the back. They're laughing and they're just going down memory lane and they're talking about this, talking about that. And at first it was so funny. I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. Ah, 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 ah. And I started realizing, man, I don't remember that story. Man, it's my first time hearing that. Man, how did I miss that? And so I'm like shrinking in my seat. So I'm like, I'm driving. Now tears is coming down my eyes because I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I've been at home, but I haven't been home. I've been at home, but I haven't been present. And here it is, is that even though I've been in the house with my family, I've never, I haven't been intentional. I hadn't been present in my mind and my heart. So all these amazing things that my wife and kids was talking about did not involve me, man. Mm. You know, and so now I'm weeping, I'm crying, I'm driving down the street. And this is what I heard, bro. I heard, you know what I'm saying? In my spirit, I heard I'm giving a second, I'm giving you a second chance with your family. I clearly heard the Holy Spirit say, this is your opportunity for a second chance, man. And so from that day forward, when I say it's never too late, I could have said, man, my daughter is six, my son is nine. At that time, I had been married for seven years. I could have said, you know what? I've created this atmosphere in my home of brokenness. I've created this atmosphere in my home of separation, even though I'm there, I'm not there. I could have said, I made that bed and I'm going to just have to lie in it and I'm going to just have to go with the, the punches. But I realized that it was never too late and that it wasn't too late for me to take my rightful place as a, as the, as my, as a husband a rightful place as a father and do what I could. So I started surrounding myself around good people. Got some good mentors that can hold me accountable. Some people I can sharpen some arm with and become the best version of myself. Because at that time in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not cussing. I'm not breaking stuff. I'm not doing all this crazy stuff with my family. So I thought like, Hey, give me father of the year. Give me husband of the year. But really I was failing miserably at leading my family and God and my family. And so that moment, man, driving to California, that was November of 2007. I'll never forget. I realized that it was not too late for me to turn things around with my family. And isn't 
Dude, hey, thank you for sharing that. It's a beautiful moment. It's beautiful that you saw it, you overcame. And so you grew up in a fatherless home, is that correct? Yeah, so I, I knew my father, and I would go with him okay. from time to time. You know, he paid child support. But my mother raised me, man, by herself. You know, she raised me by herself. Yeah. How many siblings did you have? Two. So I got two siblings that's older, six and nine years older than me. And then I got a little brother that my father had with his second wife. So whenever it came to your mom, it sounds like she was a very strong woman. Growing up, how do you feel like not having a father in the home? Like, what did that for you? Did What did that do for you? Did you have to be the man of the household? Did you always feel like that was a burden for you? Well, the first thing I would say is it made me angry. I, I was angry, bro. I was angry all the time as a kid, you know, and that was just because the frustration of not understanding something was missing out the home that should be there, right? The frustration of not having much lack of resources, you know, bro, we was pretty poor, you know what I mean? And so I, I have this woman who's carrying the weight spiritually, working two or three jobs, and we still didn't have money. So I had a lot of resentment. I had a lot of anger, you know, trying to figure all that out. And but then also while that was going on, yes, I'm I'm, I'm becoming my mom's best friend. You know, I'm having to do stuff around the house. I'm, I'm having to learn how to nail stuff on the wall, you know, you know, use a screwdriver, all this stuff that is cool. There's nothing wrong with learning as a kid, but I didn't have a man that showed me that. You know what I'm saying? My mom is from the country, so she's showing me that. You know, so yeah, I had to carry a lot of weight that you shouldn't have to carry at that age because it was just me and my mom. And how whenever, so growing up, your your dad was distant. You had some kind of connection with him. That produced some anger and some resentment in relation to not understanding, which is a completely normal when it comes yeah. to like growing up in that environment. So then you went to high school. What was high school like for you? Like, what, like, where did you, like, you're talking about this anger and you're talking about whenever it came to like your marriage, what I'm trying to understand is, you know, growing up, like, you know, it's out, that resentment and that pain. And as you said earlier, that backpack is on your back and like, you got this baggage, like, how did that convey from growing up and like going through high school? Like what, how did that affect you? Well, I mean, like, again, man, it, it, it affected me tremendously before high school, you know, man, I, I failed the fifth grade, you know. I got kicked out of school in the seventh grade. You know, I had to go to the Berry House, had to go to juvenile, through the juvenile court system. So when, at the end of seventh grade, uh, when I got kicked out of school, um, well, around that time, there was a moment in the courtroom where the judge was sentencing me, right? Because me and my friends, we had burned the house down. We had gotten into it with some people which, you know, confrontation was the normal was the norm in my neighborhood, but this time we took it to the next level. Some friends and I burnt the house down and I had to go before court and before a judge. And in that moment, while the judge was sentencing me, my mother, she grabbed my face and got really close to my face. And she said, This moment will not define you. You will go on to do great things. She was mm -hmm. like, I rebuked the enemy after your life. She was like, I know I've known since the time you was in my womb that you was gonna do great things on this earth. So at that moment, she's crying. I'm crying. You can hear a pin drop inside the courtroom. But that created hope, man. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like that's why so that was the my first that was the first spark of hope. That was the first spark of hope, man. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That that's why hope is my first, middle, and last name right now. Because, you know, my mom hoped against the where I was headed. 
you know, she changed the trajectory of my life. You know, what would life, what would life be like for all of us if we push the potential, if we focus on the potential in a person versus the problem? And in that moment, my mama decided, my mother decided to focus on the potential in me and not the problem. And she said that that moment was not going to define my life. So after that, she moved me and took me to another school where my, you know, my aunt and uncle allowed me to use their address to go to school. Mm-hmm. And that saved my life. So the courtroom gave me hope. The moment where my mom took me to another, to another school, that saved my life. Not to say that I would be dead, which is a possibility because a lot right. of people in my neighborhood, unfortunately, for some of them that happened to, that happened to them. But it saved my life. It saved this creation, this gift, this talent that God had bottled up inside me. It saved that, bro. It, it mm. allowed that to live. It was no longer suffocated by the people I was hanging with. It was no longer suffocated by the environment I was put in every day, man. And I started thriving, man. So in high school, I became the straight class clown, the funny guy. I'm no longer the guy well, wearing. Can't see that. Can't see that at all. Not at all. Doesn't, doesn't make, that makes, that makes no sense at all. Anyway, keep on going. No sense. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. no longer the guy that's wearing and wearing milkshakes around and everything. And now I want to want to be the pretty boy. I'm wearing the Tommy Hilfiger and the Nautica. That <laughs> you can't ask me how I got all this. But I was trying to bring joy from the outside. And I, I mean, I mm. knew my mom. You know, she always talked to the king inside of me. So I'm like, I wanted to look like a king, right? And so mm. here it is. I'm, I'm, you know, doing little stuff on the side. You know, you know, breaking in cars and stuff like that to sell that. Try to give me some Nautica and Tommy Hill figure and polo boots. You know, you know, if you're not my age, you're not going to know about them polo boots. But anyway, uh, yeah, man, I, I was the class clown, man. You know, I, it's really funny because, you know, doing what I do for OSU now, it's, it's, it's actually pretty funny because when I was in high school, people would tell me, man, you're so immature, you're a big kid, blah, 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 all these different things. So something that was considered a weakness, that's something that people made fun of is actually a strength of mine now. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I got that. I got mm-hmm. that childlike joy, man. I got that kid-like joy. And, and, and I'm so thankful that no one took that away from me and I didn't allow anyone to take that away from me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do have a question in relation to the class clown aspect. And this is just a thought to throw it out there. Because we're, we're going to build back up to that moment in your car. We're going to come back to that. There's a reason that we jumped back to this part of your story. Yeah. Do you ever feel like that? That grandiose, I mean, I, I understand the joy, the, like that is a big part of it. Do you ever feel like you got lost in it being about you and wanting to be a grandiose personality? Like, do you ever feel like looking back on it, like there's a part of you that were, that, that was missing that kind of contributed to that. And sometimes you would get lost in that. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, like I, I had, I had holes in my heart, bro. Mm. You know, I, I had, I had a lot of holes in me, bro. And so me being able to get attention any way I could get it, since I wasn't getting attention from the places that I needed to get it, man, mm. I would do whatever it would take to get attention. Now we see people doing crazy stuff on social media to go viral. I would do crazy stuff in real life to go viral just to get mm. any kind of attention. Because sometimes even the wrong attention is still attention. Negative attention, guess what? It's still attention. So I, I just wanted people's attention. I wanted people to say, I wanted people to high five me. I played the drums. I was really good at playing the drums. But not only was I good at playing the drums, I made sure that your mama, your daddy, your grandma, your brother, your sister, anybody in the Southwest, South Side, the North Side, the East Side knew I was the best drummer in Oklahoma. Like that was me. Some of that was personality, 
And some of that was just me being high on myself and wanting to get those high fives, man. So yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah, that was because just, you don't, because you're lacking that father figure. No, you lack, you're lacking yeah. that strength. You're lacking your mom. You know, mom's nurture. Your mom had a lot of strength. Like, dude, I hear so many cool stories from people coming from like you know that style of home and like overcoming. But I, I just have to, you know, just looking at that and looking at your personality, I can only imagine in your mind, like in your soul, you were sitting there doing these things and yeah, you were getting high fives and all of this stuff, but there had to have been that little inkling in the back of your mind of like, I want more, I want more. Like I, I want to, I want to feel accepted. I want to feel big because like you don't have that ingrained. And then if you don't have that strong faith as well, I know mm -hmm. that that can be from someone who growing up, I never felt like I was enough personally. I was not the class clown, but I was the guy that always had the grandiose stories. And I was the party guy. And I was the one that when my parents went out of town, I'd throw the party at my parents' house and I wouldn't, I would exaggerate the truth and I'd make it sound 10 times bigger than it was because yes. that was the only thing I yeah. knew how to do. Because if I didn't do that, how was I going to be accepted? And this was, yeah. and the crazy thing about this is this was coming from a, my parents have been married for 40 years. So I did have a father, I did have a mother but there was still something in my life that I was scared of that I felt like I needed to build a bigger version of myself. Some of that's personality. Mm. Again, some of that's God's given. But for me, that really affected me going into my 20s because in my 20s, it really kind of expounded. So in high school, you're going through this. You, you, you know, you've kind of come into your personality, which is still shown today, which is beautiful because now you can see that, that personality, God then using it to leverage it in relation to worshiping him. But yeah. what happened? So, so you get through that. Did you end up going to college? What happened post high school? You were in the Air Force. Is that like, like, is that what happened? So, no, no. So, drums is my first love, and I'm loving. Okay. Music. So, I had a dream to go to college, not to get a degree. I didn't really care about that. I just wanted to be in a band, and I wanted to be in a fraternity. And so, you know, I played the drums like Nick Cannon on Drumline. I went oh to, yeah. Yes, yes. So I went to Historical Black College. I went to Southern University. Okay. And Baton, Baton Rouge, because like bands was real big in my family. So like that's passed down from my dad. We all were musicians. And so I went to Southern University, but then within a month, I ended up back here because I got into a fight with the drum major. And, uh, you know, I had to leave. I had to come back home because my life was straightened there for real, like for real, for real. I had to get out of there the same day. And I came back here. Then I went to Langston University. And at that time, like, so my wife is my high school sweetheart. So we were dating through all of that. Mm. And once I went to Langston, then we got pregnant with our son. When we got pregnant with our son, and I, at, at this time, I'm still cool, right? Like everything is cool. But when she got, once we got pregnant with our son, all the, the, the jealousy, the anger, the frustration that was coming from, man, I'm about to be responsible for another human being. I don't have no money. I'm broke. You know, I'm in my, I'm in my first year of college and I, I don't have the best grades. I don't, I would lie and tell people I want to be a physical therapist. I had no desire to be a physical therapist. You know, I just wanted to sound smart or whatever. And that's when I, one of my friends stopped by my, my, my girlfriend at that time stopped by, she's my wife now, stopped by her house. Cause he was going to try to holler at her. So God, it's funny how that happened. He stopped by, you know, to try to talk to her or whatever. And when I saw her, I was like, hey, Terrence, he was like, Les, what's up? You know, we started catching up or whatever. He showed, he told me about how he was in the military and how much money he was making. And he pulled up with a car. He had a gold chain on and all that. I was like, I want that. I was like, I got a son coming. I need some money. I need it right now. 
So that's how I joined the military. Now, I do come from a family of military. My, my father, uncles, cousins, a lot of people serve. So we are a military family. But none of that inspired me to. It wasn't until I saw my friend and we had a baby on the way. And I'm like, let me get this money. And so that's really why I joined just to provide for my son. And, and then, so yeah, so that's how I ended up in the military. And then eventually we got married, you know. So I want to unpack something real quick. I'm a big believer whenever it comes to you can only live life through a lens of faith or a, or a lens of fear. Like there's not yeah. really much of an in-between, like either, either you're doing things with faith or fear. Do you feel like, cause, cause the emotion that I, I heard come out of you whenever you were talking about like realizing you were going to become a father, mm-hmm. do you feel like that moment kind of scared you because of your upbringing and not wanting to fail at being a father? Oh, absolutely. That, that was my motivation. It, my, the lack thereof of, of my dad and I's relationship that created fear in me be, because now I'm responsible for this. This is a human being that I'm responsible for and I don't have the blueprint. I don't, yeah, mm. I don't know what I'm doing, but the same way that created fear in me ended up becoming my fuel. Absolutely. Saying that, you know, I want to be the best dad that I can be. You know, I want to break this generational curse. You know, I want to make sure I break the cycle. I want to be everything that I could be for my son. And guess what? I, I failed climbing up the hill. I failed, you know, I fell down while climbing up. But, you know, I was so focused on being the best dad that I could be that I end up, I end up having fuel, man. I was like, you know what? Because I believe this. I believe that, you know, our ceiling is our, is our children's floor. So I was like, the higher I can go, that's where our kids will start. So if I, mm-hmm. if I just lay an egg and I say, I'm going to be a deadbeat dad, I'm going to do the bare minimum, guess what? That's where my son is starting. But if I keep on climbing this, this life right here, where my ceiling is, wherever I get to, that's where my kid is starting from, right? So that's how the next generation and the next generation become better. And so I wasn't about to put it off on my son to, to get us out this hole. I had to get us out this hole. And uh, first, I was just trying to do it on my own until... I had an encounter with God. I grew up in church, you know, I mean, so it's not like I didn't know God, you know, my mother prayed every night on her knees, bro. Like my, my, my mother was the one that would throw the oil loose here. You know what I'm saying? That's my mom. I grew up, I grew up in Pentecostal, Holiness Pentecostal, speaking the tongue, shouting, you know what I'm saying? I got a couple of black eyes from my mom shouting in church and going crazy. So I grew up, I, I had a foundation of faith, right? But it wasn't until... Yeah, it wasn't until in my early 20s when I came into the understanding and choosing for myself. So let's, let's thank you for sharing. Thank you for being transparent. I think it's a beautiful thing that like your greatest fear, which was being a failure as a father for not having that blueprint, you know, that ended up turning into fuel to basically not fall down. And that's a beautiful yeah. thing in itself. And that's why I wanted to unpack that because I could really, you know, I can, I can, I can imagine like, dude, that's got to be just so scary because you're like, one thing in life that I didn't have, I don't want to be. And then basically you're, you know, you know, you have to break that generational curse. So you go through that, you know, you've realized it, you've, you've seen your friend that's getting the money. He's in the air force and everything. So unpack, like what, what, what was that transition like into the military and like, like how did that grow? Let's think about this right here, man. Look, I'm a dude that's crazy. I like to have fun. Me going to the military, (laughs) man, when I tell you, that was like, that was like taking a fish out of water. You know what I'm saying? That was like, 
that was like putting a bear in water, man. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, welcome personality. Yeah. You mean to tell me I got to stand there like this? Every time it reports his order, come on, man, that was nothing like me, brother. But I had, to, I knew I needed to take care of my son. That was my motivation. Hey, my first day, I remember uh, my first, when I first got the basic training, I'm telling you, it was, it was like a totally different world of me. I get the basic training and I, we had, I had a folder with pieces of paper in it or whatever. So they would do stuff like, you know, you know, drop everything, pick everything up, drop everything, pick everything up. Well, after I was dropping everything and picking it up, now my paper just starting to come loose in the notebook. Man, there was a T.I. that came over there. They were like, and when they say pick it up, you got to like get it in like less than a second, right? So I dropped my notebook, man, picking it up, dropping it. Now the paper just coming out. Man, I had a T.I. come over there kicking like a football. Oh, just kicking it like 30 feet away. He was like, pick it up. Man, they still want you to pick it up in less than a second, even if he's 30 feet away. So then he was That's screaming funny. at me, screaming at me. That was, that was my welcome to basic training moment. And the other thing is I love to laugh. I love to smile. Man, you better not, what? You better not smile. But what? You better look like you angry and ready to hit somebody. So that was hard for me. Because I mean, like, I'm, I'm a clown. I like to have fun. Now you tell me I, it has to be team no fun for six weeks? <laughs> team no fun? So all of this right here that you see, this fun that you had, I had to, man, that's like grabbing. They don't, even, they don't even sell three liters no more. Imagine grabbing a three liter and shaking it like this for six weeks. Shaking it for six weeks and then opening it. How do you, did that affect, I mean, so you were off of basic training. Was this while your wife was pregnant too? So. Or the, basic, the son been already born? No, no. Okay. So our, my, our son was born when I went to basic. So our son okay. was, was born. The fall of 98, I went to basic spring of 99. So, okay. you know, and here's the thing is I was really su surprisingly, I was able to have quite a bit of military bearing. Now on the inside, it was tearing me up because I like to have fun. That's what uh, I was kind of curious of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was able to fake it. You know, sometimes you got to fake it till you make it. And I remember one time the T.I.s asked me, like, Thomas, it seemed like nothing we do bothers you because I would never, like, really show my emotion. And uh, I told him, I said, man, it's nothing y'all can do to me that's worse than me being away from my son. I was like, my mm -hmm. son is my motivation. So all that yelling, all that screaming and spitting in my face, man, I know y'all ain't going to punch me. So I'm, I, why, what I need to be scared for? You ain't going to hit me. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, yeah, I was able to work through it, though. Yeah. Dude, that's incredible. So after you were there, you ended up 20 years in the military. So I guess you made it through basic training. Even though, I mean, you must have figured out how to get 30 feet away in a second, which is a positive. We can talk about teleportation at a later thing. And we'll let people, so, we'll let people like go run on the internet and be like, oh, there are teleporters. But I'm just, I kid, I kid. If you're listening to this, please don't do that. But no, in all seriousness, so you make it through basic training. What was, what was that life like during the military? Man, I make it through basic training. It was, it was great for me, man. You know, my first couple of years in, though, I struggled through basic training. I was able to fake it through. But once I finished basic training and, and tech school, it was a real challenge for me because where I'm from, you know, you don't let people treat you or talk to you any kind of way. And you don't say anything back. So my mouth got me into I was able to control it doing basic. But once I got in, it was tough for me. If somebody, you know, told me to shut up, you know, 
I told them a different way to shut up, you know, and it didn't matter what their rank was. So I had to learn how to have better military bearing and self-control, you know, very, very prideful at that time. And I've always naturally been a rebel, you know, I've always naturally been a rebel. So I would like, you know, rebel, you know, if you got to put your hat on in a certain place, I would like see how long I can have my hat off without somebody saying something just kind of ridiculous, but it made me grow up. It made me grow up. It's something that I needed big time in my life. I needed to grow up. I needed to mature. And it wasn't just money, man. I needed to grow up. You know, I was a, I was a big kid. So anyway, it, bit, it ended up being great for us, man. My wife, you know, she was a stay-at-home mom. We ended up having a daughter. So she was a stay-at-home mom the first eight years that provided for us in a great way. And, and she was able, my wife is real big on nurturing the kids and being there for the kids. So it put us in a position where she could do that. And where were, and where were y'all living at this time? We was living here. Yeah, we was living here okay. in Oklahoma City. Yeah, man. So my wife is uh, real big on family. So it worked out perfectly for us to be here because I originally went into the Oklahoma Air National Guard and then they have this program called AGR, which is active duty. Then I transferred into that. So that's why I was able to stay here in Oklahoma City. Dude, that's awesome. So, and yeah. I, I'm, dude, I, that's awesome that your wife is able to stay home and that she's super family oriented. I mean, I think, I think real quick, just like side, sidebar, you know, I think the neutral family is so important having family dinners, being intentional with your kids. You know, I've got a daughter and like, dude, that, that one-on-one time I get to spend with her whenever I put my phone down and everything else. And like, we yeah. actually did an exercise a couple of weeks ago with my Tuesday night men's group. And the challenge for the week was drive five miles under the speed limit. Don't lose mm-hmm. your mind, but drive five miles under the speed limit for the whole week. And it was amazing to me. Like it made me be so much more intentional with my daughter and she would literally react completely, completely differently when I would slow down and when I'd be more intentional. And so right. I think that's really cool that they had that opportunity, you know, coming from, you didn't have that opportunity as a child, if you will, whenever it came to having like the nuclear family and that you, you know, that's already starting to break that generational curse. So like there's things that are already moving in place that God's doing in the background in your life right now. It's literally starting to already heal that generational curse, which is really, really cool. And where I want to get to next is, so you, you, so you're in the military and everything. Was there a point whenever you ended up exiting the military? I know that this is what I really want to touch on. Like you talked about like having some, some anger issues and throwing stuff Mm -hmm. like, and it sounded like you hit kind of a breaking point where you ended up turning your life over. Can you kind of run us through from where you're at right now in the military, having a few kids, like, can you fill in that gap for us? Yeah, man. So one day, man, I'm, 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 we was living in an apartment. I'm watching TBN and I never watched TBN. And uh, I stopped on TBN. And while I'm watching TV, man, um, there was a, a guy on there preaching. I just remember he had, uh, he was like from Africa, something like that. And um, I just remember, man, watching that. And next thing you know it, I'm, I'm laying down frustrated, like before God, man, and my, living room floor, crying out to God, repenting, you know, asking, asking Jesus to come into my heart. And that was something that wasn't planned. It wasn't at an altar. It wasn't in a church. It was just me and the Holy Spirit. It's me and God, bro, right there in my apartment. From that moment forward, that changed everything in my life. And my wife will tell you that it's like I had a split personality. I went from being that crazy guy to boom, all of a sudden I come home, she comes home and I'm a new man, bro. 
And so that that that's what changed everything. And once that aligned, once they got, you know, aligned, you know, I just started, you know, soaring. And I've always had a servant heart. My mother was always a, a person that would serve. And so, you know, I just started serving in the church. So a lot of what's going on now is from there was years and years of me dying to myself, you know, and serving others. You know, I was just dying to myself, serving others, dying to myself for years, man. Like before I ever had a microphone in front of people, before I'm in these prominent positions or whatever, if you will, before any of that, man, there was years of me serving and I had shelf time. Mm -hmm. I call it shelf time. Shelf time is where, you know, you got a book on the shelf, you know, and that book still has value. But right until that book come off that shelf, you know what I'm saying? It's not bringing anyone else value with that. It's that shelf time. And the reason I had to go through that shelf time was because I needed, I needed to increase in humility. You know, because at that time, as a teenager, I was one of the popular guys. You know, things came to me easy. You know, I was that guy that got on the hot fives and blah, 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 whatever. And so I thought it was me, me, me. So I needed to go through that time of of being redefined, recreated, mm. and, and getting some humility. And, and going overseas to Kuwait and Iraq, that played a huge role in the humility process. And uh, yeah, man, so... You know, that's how I end up being here. I honestly really think that where I'm at now in my life, you know, from 2000, I would say 2003 to about 2009 or so, those years of serving and putting others before self, that I am still reaping from the fruit of that labor now in my life. What do you think in relation to, we started this journey, right? Like we had a lot of like, you know, we've, we've taken our listeners on a journey today, which is a beautiful journey. The one thing I want to really make sure that we pin down on is, you know, we started this journey with the car ride where you were sitting sunken in, and you, you had told us that there was some stuff that basically built up to that car ride. Like you had already accepted Christ and all that, like before that car ride, like when, when, well, a like, when did you like, what led up to that car ride? Like beforehand, because you'd accepted Christ, like everybody, the, from where, the way you told my story, you had accepted Christ, you changed your life. Like everything was going well, but you were living for yourself, right? Like you weren't, your intent was me, not something greater, not purpose. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, can you just like, what dates was that? Like, like, and, and can you, can you look at like, okay, like I accepted, I started changing my life and oh, yeah. leading up to that car ride. I can absolutely tell you. So summarize, summarize uh, that for us real quick. When I went to Kuwait in 2006, it was really crazy because I thought I was going over there just to serve our country. And on the way over there, I stopped in Washington, D.C. I don't think I've ever told a story. I stopped in Washington, D.C. for the hangout with my uncle for a day or two before I shipped to go to Kuwait. And when I went to his church service, this, this guy came up to me and he prophesied to me. And he said, he said, you think that you're going over there to, just for our country, but God is sending you as a vessel to go over there and pack his people to be a voice mm -hmm. for him. And when he said that, you know, I mean, I, I remember weeping when he told me that. And I'm going to tell you this, man, when I landed in Kuwait, half the people on the base already knew who I was. Hmm. You hear what I'm I just crazy. said? That's yeah, crazy, that's right? That's nuts. That's crazy. We're talking about 20 hours away. The people already knew who I was. They had this thing called Desert Idol. They put me in Desert Idol. So in the first week of me being there, I am performing for most of the base. 
because I was wow. the art, I was the artist at that time. It was just like American Idol artist at this time. I'm doing this music. I'm in front of people, and and uh, everything is going is the best it can with me being away from my family. And and this was the point right here. This was a changing point. I remember our our fence fell down at our house. And I was trying to, my wife and I was trying to get somebody to fix it. Nobody fixed it. A dog got out. You know, my wife and the kids had to go find a dog. All these different things was going on. Nobody had like sent me a care package, you know? And so at this time, what am I, I'm thinking about me. I'm thinking about, do people not love me? You know, I'm thinking about, you know, you know, how do I not, all these other people get letters, they get boxes. I don't have nothing. And I remember calling my pastor. I was upset, bro. I was like, people said they was going to take care of my wife. Stuff is going on at the house. You know, people said that they love me. I ain't got nothing from nobody. Blah, blah, blah. I'm upset, man. I'm angry. But it was the humility process, bro. Humility, just like joy, has to come from the inside. It can't come from the outside, bro. And so during that time, I'm feeling broken. I'm away from my family. I can't help my family. I feel like people don't love me. And check this out, man. The day that I realized that I was being a fool, was the day that this big old box, man, bigger than the screen, boom, came up to me. And they said, are, are you, someone came to the window and said, are you Les Thomas? And I was like, yes, sir. They were like, man, we've been looking for you for a month. I truly believe God held that, held that box up because his son, his son needed to experience that less. People aren't attracted to you because the gifts and the talents that you bring to the table. People are attracted to you because of me inside of you, man. I had to learn that before God started giving me all these different things, I had to learn that my life could not be about me, bro. I had to learn that this gift and this talent that I had was not mine. So he wanted me to go through that process of breaking so he can lift, lift me up because when he lift me up, it's him. It's not me. I'm not getting lifted right. up. But whenever he raised me up, who do people see? They see the God in me, bro. Dude, that's so powerful. I had a girl on a couple, dude, everybody I've had on. Whenever we get to like that broken moment, right? Like in the story of like when like all of a sudden the shift happens. Yeah. It's always whenever all of a sudden like you're frustrated, but you've started being intentional. You've started looking. You've started that wrestle. You've yeah. started really like like going, I know that I'm not happy and I'm upset. But like you start being intentional and the next thing you know, it's like wham. But like we all have to like go through these deserts and we all have to go through these journeys we have to go through these tests. And I, I mean, I'm a strong believer that you're not, you're not intentionally put through things, but we drag ourselves through things to the yeah. point to where then we can look back and then be a reflection of the glory, even though we went through those things. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we're not, we're not supposed to glorify. We're not supposed to live in the things we went through. It's that we're supposed to glorify through the things we went through. You know what I'm saying? Like, like mm -hmm. in the moment, not. We don't need to concentrate on the pain. We need to concentrate on the joy through the pain. And I yep. think you are a true testimony to being joy through pain. And that is such a beautiful story. And so you hit that point. Did you just start moving? Like, I mean, in, in reference, and how long after that was the moment in your car with your family to where you realized that you had been a distant father? It was, it was a year later. So a year later. The fall of 2006 is when I deployed. The car ride was November 2007. Because God and had started the, working in your heart and like you had already started intentionally recognizing. And then a year later, all of a sudden, yeah. that hit you. 
Isn't that, that dude, that's so freaking crazy to me because it's like the process had started, but the realization happened a year later. Year and later. Think about it, dude. Like, dude, think about this. And I don't know if you've thought about this, but this is just an outside perspective looking at how beautiful the moment is. You had you were in a car ride with your family. You had built everything based off of like, you know, what you had worth. And then all of a sudden you have a realization of, oh my God, I have from putting myself on the pedestal done, I've distanced myself from my family, the most important thing. And that is the one thing I was always scared of doing in my life. Mm -hmm. The one thing that mattered the most, the one thing whenever in this story, you told us the story about the fear of not being the father that you didn't have, right? That yeah. moment, all of your life, all of a sudden in a car ride, a year after everything started working, all of a sudden you hit it and you go, oh my God, it's not too late. It's not too late. Time to thrive. Not too late. Not too late. And Never now, and how long, and how long, and, and dude, from, since that point moving forward, like, I mean, just from what you told us, like your life is literally flourished and, and yeah. like it is unfolding and it's all this brokenness and it's all this crazy stuff that so many people are stuck in. I guarantee you there's someone listening to this that is going, I can relate to so many points of that story. Yeah. Every single person sitting there listening to that point in story that's like, I'm there right now. I hope you've heard this story today and realize the fact that it's not too late. It doesn't matter where you're at in the story. You can always turn it around, but it is a choice. It is a choice. My, my mother's number one saying, anyone who knew her, she would say, life is all about choices. And you mm. don't eat the fruit of it, good or bad. Mm. That's so good. Dude, yeah. what, just real quick, because we're going to jump into summary, because this has been a great story. I've had a blast, dude. Thank I've, you, uh, just thank you so much for just sharing so much of yourself. I'm going to do two things real quick. I've, I asked two questions to all my guests on the tail end of the story. Number one would be if there was one book that you would recommend for someone to read, what would that book be and why? And that's a great question. I would probably say Kingdom Man. Kingdom, man, that's by Tony Evans. That book made a tremendous impact on my life. It gave me the blueprint to myself. You know, one of my good friends, Derby Kubitschek, you know, with Giant is all about learning how to lead yourself before you lead others. That book, Kingdom Man, helped me learn a, a lot about me and how to be a kingdom man, because how can I be all these other things to other people if I'm not understanding how I need to be for myself? And so that book right there by Tony Evans, I would say Kingdom Man. It, it, and there's a Kingdom Woman too. So if you're mm -hmm. a woman, there's a Kingdom Woman as well. I haven't read that one, but the Kingdom Man, I would definitely say that that, that book is legit. I don't care if you 20, I don't care if you 50, I don't care if you 80. We all can, we all can get better, right? I love that, dude. I love it. Second question, if there was one person that you could pick in your life that impacted you the most, who would it be and why? My mother, 100%. You know, my, my mother, because she never 
gave too much attention to the challenges and the problems. She always spoke to the potential inside of me, the purpose, the kingdom inside of me. You know, that's a lesson for all of us to to live by is because when people make mistakes and when, when a kid is acting up, when a parent is acting up, when a loved one is acting up, anyone, you know, we always want to give so much attention to that problem. My mother, even though I was a problem, she focused more on the potential than the problem. And so I'm a direct result of a, of a praying mother a direct result of a woman not giving up on me. And uh, by far, my mother, my, my wife is a very close second, but my, my mother for sure is the, the, made the greatest impact in my life. I love that. Dude, thank you. The last thing, which I ask everybody, if you were going to give a 60 to 90 second last thought to someone that is watching you, right now mm -hmm. and they're thinking but it's too late it's too late it's i've been given up on what would you tell that person in 60 to 90 seconds i would tell them to keep the hope you know and i would say that hope has to be an anchor in your life i would say that there's nothing in your life that you have done in your past that will define or is defining you. If it is defining you right now, it's only because you're allowing it and you're choosing to let it define you. Take your rightful place. Know that there is healing opportunity, potential, and empowerment in the word hope. Know that, you know, no matter what anyone says, anyone that's counted, counted you out, that's doubting you, they do not control your destiny. They do not have the keys to the car of your destiny. You got the keys to, the, to your car. Take the keys back, start that thing and, and burn rubber. You know, head towards where God wants you to be. Because here's the thing is like every person in this world, I don't care how great we think they are, they have made mistakes. They have wanted to give up. They have the bottom have has has fallen out. Every person that you consider great, the bottom has at some point has felt fell out thing under them. And look where they're at now. You too have that same potential. You too have that same gift. You too have that same talent. Go be the best person you can be. Do not compare yourself to anyone else. Do not compare your hope. Do not compare your gift and your talent. Be the best person that God called you to be, and you will be fulfilled through your purpose, not someone else's. Love it, dude. So, dude, that's that's going to be the clip as the preview for the episode. Okay. Last thing on record, and we've got like 30 seconds. What is your prediction for the game? Uh, I believe we win by three. I don't have a final score. I'm thinking like 37 to 34. But I believe Oklahoma State will win by three. You can bank it, and this is before the game happens. I love it, dude. I love Let's it. Go. We're gonna we're gonna launch the episode on Monday, so then people can watch it and they're gonna truly know whether or not it was true, dude. Yep. This has been a blast. This has been such a blast. You are such a blessing. Thank you for living your purpose. Thank you for not giving your giving up. Thank you for being just a godly example of it's never too late. And thank you. dude, this was a blast. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Really thank you. Man, shout out to you. Thanks for having me on, man. You've been a great host, man. You unpacked a lot of things inside of me that I haven't even really talked about before. And I've done a million interviews. So man, you, you're a great host, man. I hope that everything is flourishing with you, man. Much love to you and your family, bro. Thank you very much. Well, this is out of the Backpack Theory Podcast. Until next time, go Sinners. No, what? <laughs> Good.